Yo, yo, how's it going? Hope you're having a good week so far. Today's episode is with Andy Daniel. Andy is currently A&R at FFRR Records, which is an iconic record label from the UK dating back for the last 33 years. Um, yeah, great conversation. Loved it. I've known Andy for a few years, so we've got to catch up, which is nice over coronavirus. Also learned a lot about A&R and, and it's super informal um, on the whole process of releasing records, signing records and all of that. So without further ado, Andy Daniel, how's it going, mate? We're live. I'm good, mate. How are you? Pretty good. We're live. <laughs> it's, a, it's a Sunday evening. Yeah, man. And end of August. I've got, I've got to squeeze these things in, man. It's like the week is busy. I know, right? Weekend's family time, so squeezing things like this in the gaps yeah how was how was your weekend yeah good man it's been pretty chilled i'm trying to think what i did i, I have the worst memory unless it's written down or i look at my calendar i have no <laughs> idea what i'm doing nice, man. i think i was i think i was in a soft play or something today rock and roll that, are, that they, sounds familiar. are they open yeah they just reopened but you've got like pre-book and fun stuff <laughs> like that Twenty twenty is weird, dude. It's such a messed up year, right? Mate, you know, I used to I used to do interesting and fun things. <laughs> now I'll do that, and <laughs> that's like the highlight of my week. Yeah, yeah. I was just nah, I was I'm literally joking, just facetiming course, one of my but... friends, and uh, I was like, she was like, "What are you up to this week?" I was like, "Hmm, same as last week, and the same as the week before, and the same as the week before." It's just. Not much. To be fair, though, actually, this this in a positive way. This has actually been one of the more kind of normal-ish weeks I've had, like kind of since since lockdown began. Because it's like on Wednesday, like physically went to go and see an artist. I'm looking at signing. Oh, cool. Spent some time with them, which was amazing. And Thursday was like a video shoot, but much more in yeah. the the way you would have done a video shoot. You know, you're not doing yeah. home shooting anymore. You can't kind of do shoots out about obviously very very kind of covid considered but that was good and then on friday just went and did like a you know physical meeting with some people that i'm working with but sitting outside distance but you know actually having that proper interaction with someone not just a, the, the the zoom conversation yeah. it's kind of like the, the majority of your interactions at the moment so it was kind of nice it was like a, a very balanced safe but also kind of productive week if that yeah, makes sense yeah. it does feel like things are kind of progressing a little a little forward with kind of because i was in i was in the studio a couple of weeks ago in london uh mm. and it just felt last week actually oh no the week before oh so you back in the uk i've been in the uk since march mate uh, oh mate i thought you were i thought you 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 were in the states no i've been back here since yeah oh, since sure march the Union Jack cushion in the background is maybe a clue, but I didn't know if that was a, a little memento from <laughs> to home. Re- or to, just, to remember. No, just home. Yeah, no, I'm back in my place in the UK. So, um, ah, nice. Yeah, to be maybe, fair. Maybe a, a better place to be. Who knows? <sighs> yeah, much better. And that's no disrespect to America, but... Not at all. No, no, no. I don't mean that for, just for a second. much nicer to be... To be fair, it's been so... I haven't been home for this long in six years um so it's nice to i live like next door to my parents so i can go and see them whenever and it's just been amazing super chill man super chill anyway no, man sh- yes so that was a weird <laughs> old intro <laughs> a and r so 
Yes. I've known you for years. I don't know how yes. long. How long have I known you? I'm trying to think. I was kind of slightly trying to think about that earlier. I mean, it's definitely a chunk, but I'm, I'm the worst person yeah. to kind of put a time on something. It was, like, I just don't know. It's just like, yeah, long time. I think it was spandex suit days. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I think even before that. Yeah, we did. Because I, I don't know how. We kind of like we met each other a few times or like been intro. I'm trying. I was trying to work out. I do think it's it's the beard was in existence by that time. Oh, was it? I don't think I ever met you. I don't think I ever met you pre-beard. So yeah, that was probably... Just looked at the photos. Seven years ago. <laughs> Look, the world's famous photos. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's even worse when you turn up to a show or like a festival and somebody's got a picture of you on a totem pole without a beard. And everyone is like, Sick. no one knows who it is. So they're like, who's this random <laughs> well, person? Who's that guy? Yeah, who is that guy? And you're just out on stage, just going, just, uh, please, why? No, why? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but so, so yeah, let's say seven years. Yeah, so. let's say seven years. So I met you when you were at Defected, and yeah. you've not long moved from Defected to FFRR. Yes. Like for people that don't know what an A and R does, what do you do? <laughs> and and <laughs> that's I, a really loaded question. I know, but it's probably your roles have probably changed quite a lot from Defected to to FFRR, right? Yeah, no, no, for sure. But I mean, in a, in a heartbeat, like A and R stands for Artist and Repertoire. Um, like, and essentially, what I would say it means is like you're the the person that you know tries to go and find music for the record label, develops relationships with artists. Um, he, if you want to sign a record, you're the one that kind of brings it in and signs it. But then also, once a record signed, you are the kind of conduit and voice between the artist and the label. Yeah. You know, you know why you've signed something. So then you kind of are communicating that to your team internally about what you're trying to achieve, where it should be placed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So you're kind of like, you know, the artist creates the music. The A and R then will kind of identify uh, work with the artist to then deliver it to market. I guess it's kind of one way of distilling it, but but it's it's a really multi-nuanced job, I guess. Okay, so you know, it can be very, very involved and it can be quite lean back. It, it really depends. You know, literally every artist and kind of project and interaction is different. Okay, that makes sense. Cause I guess we've always the way it always works for for me is like I'll send a record to a label manager or an A and R or something like that, and then they're like yay or nay and then it gets signed and then it kind of gets released obviously with all the like marketing and everything like that in between and kind of the planning but how how involved are you on the actual releases when it comes to finding the record saying you're going to sign it then then do you are you literally just the talks person or are you like are you kind of the label manager to a certain extent i don't know no, you, you, you know, A and R will quite often work very closely with like a marketing manager. Okay, you know, because it, it, it can it's quite often like a bit of a, a team. Yeah, you know, or, or, or certainly what I'm doing moving forward is very much working under that basis. Where, you know, look, as I say, if if I've identified something that I really want to work with or an artist I want to work with or target or whatever, there's a reason for that. And then I'll work closely with a marketing manager as to be like, okay, we've got this raw product or this record. And I kind of think in my head, we can do X, Y, Z with it. How do we actually go and do that? You know, my target for a, for a record can be can be wildly varying. It yeah. could be like, oh, I think this is a, 
Beatport top 10. Okay, so just Beatport top 10 is like, okay, we want to speak to Beatport, target a banner, make sure we get charts in the old world, club footage, how we're yeah. going to do it on socials, et cetera. But, you know, there's a, there's a kind of method to how we would approach getting that target. Yeah. If it's like we think this is a number one chart record, very different process. Yeah. You know, you, it may still involve something like Beatport, but that's kind of like, you know, literally step one of about 20. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's like, yeah. it, it get, but if I was just to kind of put two records on the table to a marketing manager with no context, like they don't know necessarily that that's, that's kind of what we've got in our head or our expectations or what we're trying to achieve with a project that, you know, and also that will be in communication with the artist about what they want to achieve and what's yeah. also realistic or not as well, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So what's, what's the roles, like you started at Defected a long time ago. When were you at Defected? Uh, I started as kind of work experience in 2004, Damn. so a long time ago. Long time ago. So how did how long how ago. did you kind of turn into the? Because you were like head A and R there, right? It defected. It was like A and R manager. Yeah, yeah. yeah working. Really so how how did that kind of come come on? Like, did you go in, um, did, or did you like wake up one morning and be like, I want to be A and R, or is it just like a role that you? No, kind no, of, I don't want to be an artist. Yeah. Okay. I wanted to be. I wanted to make music and DJ. Yeah. Um, but as time went on, I was like, I enjoy DJing, but I wouldn't say like I'm the world's greatest DJ. Like, yeah. there's a lot about it that I love. There's a lot about it I find quite challenging. Um, I never loved the travel. Yeah. Like, I didn't mind it. I'm really grateful I got to travel the world when I did it. But I always found it. I never kind of a thousand percent loved yeah. it and i think you've really got to a thousand percent love it you, you look you know what it's like you do those gigs that sold destroyed like i yeah. kind of really took them to heart yeah do you know what i mean not not every gig is about wicked festival that you, you you're buzzed about there yeah. are a lot of gigs that are not that and i was also kind of slightly because i wasn't making music really of any note i kind of was never the reason for the gig in a lot of respects yeah. and again you know you get a hot record or people actually know your music it's a bit more involved i was kind of just the guy that just happened to be there yeah, a little yeah. bit okay. and that's a kind of slightly different dynamic yeah um and then also like when it came to making music like i had a ton of ideas but i just couldn't get them out yeah like and i kind of needed someone to work with i never quite found that person yeah and then like i was just hearing all this music that other people were making and you know and it not i wouldn't say it's like a defeatist thing but i was just like i could never make that record because yeah, i know yeah. it's like to sit in front of a, a computer with a blank screen lots of machines around and where you know it's like literally the blank canvas it's, it's a quite a daunting thing at that moment yeah um and then to get from that blank canvas to this end product that like someone else had made like it was actually a dennis ferrer record i was just like yeah game over mate <laughs> <laughs> like even if i did this all day every day i don't think i'm ever making something like that however yeah. i was very good at, or you know i really enjoyed and felt good at like if I heard a piece of music, I could tell you a lot about that piece of music. Yeah. And I mean, like, I think you should do this or that's great or that's not or whatever. So it's just like, at that time, I was kind of like developing that other side like yeah. professionally. And I decided instead of like trying to chase X, Y, Z things, just really focus on one thing and just try and be very, very good at that. Yeah. Kind of put all of my energy into one direction rather than kind of like trying to do that, but also just trying to keep like a bit of a DJ career or whatever. And, you know, I was just, I was trying to really focus. I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's focusing. Because I think for me, especially in my career, is like the minute I like was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do is when 
my career kind of started to kind of kick off a little bit. And I think it's that not fannying about doing lots of different things and trying to be the best at everything and concentrate literally on one thing and be like, okay, I know that I could be good at this, but it's going to take some time and let's just put all of all of my eggs into one basket and just go for it. I think that's kind of the the rules yeah, of life, I mean, it's, right? It, it, but it just takes time to kind of know what that is. You know, I think I don't think that kind of happens overnight. You've got to do, you've got to walk a journey yeah. to kind of get that point. I think it's quite rare or, you know, you're, you're just exceptional at one thing and it's very natural or whatever, but I definitely had to kind of walk around a little bit, yeah, like so to speak, to kind of figure out what felt right and what I maybe was best at. I mean, look, I could have been an amazing DJ, but I kind of other stuff didn't really connect like in the same way. So whatever. Yeah. You know, but but also the really useful thing was by doing all of those other things, all of that contextualized hugely the other side of things, like yeah. the A and R side of things. So, you know, I've been in the studio, I have made records, so I can talk to a producer on a level because I know the process. It's you know, I'm not kind of going like, oh, can you pump it up a little bit? <laughs> it's like, nah, like the hi hat that comes in 16 bars here <laughs> needs to come up by about a DB or just yeah. you know, the synth sweeper. 44 seconds like take that out you know what i mean yeah, it's, yeah. it's a little bit more detailed sometimes i will keep it quite broad and do <laughs> a, a few cliches i was about to ask you that like there's an a and r relationship that producers and a and r's have and mm. most producers are like it and don't get me wrong this is usually like major record label kind of a and r that Hello, that's me. Yeah, now. that's you now. <laughs> so what you're doing now is like <laughs> how many arguments have you had where <laughs> where you you think something should happen in a record and the artist is like absolutely not. The thing is ultimately it's it's the artist's record. It's not my record. Mm. So I have to be respectful to that. Yeah. You know, I'll 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 be I'll have a robust conversation. You know what I mean? Like, I, my life would be easier if everything that people turned in, I accepted. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I, I don't really love doing 26 versions of something. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? But, yeah. but I'm doing it for a reason. It's because I genuinely want a piece of audio that comes out to be the best piece of audio it can possibly be. Totally. And if I can see room for improvement or if I think the artist, you know, will benefit from from being pushed or whatever the feedback may be, then you know i will do it because i think it's it's the best for the project yeah um but there's also a balance it is it, it, there's loads of factors that contribute to that it's like you know how important is the particular thing you're working on in the yeah. big scheme of things like vr is how they respond to it and do they start hitting kind of walls and just they're not seeing you know you can definitely get kind of like lost in the woods yeah, do you know what i mean you definitely. can't kind of work at you know you go down yeah. a path but you kind of go like oh shit what were we trying to achieve again yeah, yeah you know so you've got to be sensitive to all that kind of stuff and some artists are just like straight up no uh and then i just have to make a call whether i would still want to proceed with whatever it was yeah. you know from a business point of view or whatever so it's, it's really multifaceted the last thing i ever try and do is just you know fuck about with something for the sake of it Change like, I, just, yeah. I just won't do that yeah, because I, I think also a lot of it's about the relationship between the artist and you or, or the a and or the label or anything like that. Because I think classic example for me is like I signed a record with True Soul ages ago and Adam was like, yeah, this is great. Signed it. And then 
I, in the back of my head, I was like, this isn't the best record. It's all right, mm. but it's not the best record. But fuck it. Let's just, let's just see if you know what I mean, which isn't the best attitude to have. And I think you learn more and more as you go along. But then a couple of months later, Adam like hit us back and was like, I've been playing it and it's just not right. And I was like, oh, thank you. I'm glad you're like on the same wavelength. Have you ever got to that point where you've like, okay, this is... Yes, yeah, I've walked away from stuff, 100%. Yeah. You know, it's it's never a pleasant thing, but, you know, I've had, you know, I've had deals that have been really, really, really advanced. I've walked away yeah. because ultimately, like, you know, it's not a pleasant thing. It's not something I like to do. Yeah. It's not, not like something you choose to do because ultimately you've wasted not only your time, but someone else's time. You've yeah. maybe kind of given someone expectations that you then haven't followed through on. And that's, you know, you, these are people's careers and lives. And that's not a nice thing to have done. However, there's also a certain point where if I did proceed with it, I still know that I kind of have reservations. Whatever, and that's ultimately not a positive thing either. Yeah. So it's kind of like there comes a certain point where you just have to have a very adult conversation and just say, look, you know, these are my reservations for this reason. I'm not, going to proceed with this any further yeah as i say it's not something i kind of would choose to do overly often but i think it's also very important to know when to not to do something and when to also do something no i totally agree and i think sometimes that can be kind of especially when you're working on a record for so long and you kind of you've been working on a project for so long and it i think we can all get like that i don't know i don't know if you agree but it's like when you've heard a record so many times sometimes you can be like oh i don't know if i like it that much if you know what i mean and it kind of yeah, lose, it know. kind of loses it for me sometimes and then you leave it for like a month and come back to it and be like okay no I, I i get it now do you ever get like that no totally like yeah you can absolutely get fatigue for sure um i mean it's you know doing a and r is is very similar to the artistic process like between you know the artist and the a and r you all have both most likely listen to the copyright hundreds of times yeah yeah <laughs> you know yeah and like through that process it can you can be like i still love this record as much yeah. as the first listen other times you're like i need a break for this one <laughs> and all, like i've got i've had one that i did recently where it went through so many iterations of versions of development all in a really positive way it wasn't like it ever stalled at any point but it was just constantly you know it was like almost like a five-month evolutionary process to get yeah. to the final product and i definitely had to have a point where look, I, I believe in this thing. I I'm really believe in everything I've been doing on it. But also I needed to not listen to it for two weeks, kind of come back and go, oh, thank God, it's still dope. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, I really, I, you know, I've been confident through this this whole process, but I just need a, I just need a gap. break. Yeah. It is still great. Do you ever, <laughs> do you ever go to like other people that aren't in the industry for like second opinions? Uh, Probably less so out of the industry mainly because I, I kind of have, I do have a few people that I talk to and obviously you know people within the company but yeah. I'm within but I'll talk to in, a, in great depth a lot of the time but quite often I just pretty much trust what I'm well, doing yeah yeah so it's quite rare I kind of want an out a, 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 it's rare I wouldn't want or, or feel the need to actually sit there and have a conversation about something that I'm working on with a third party yeah you know I'll use a I'll use a ton of stuff that is obviously third party to contextualize something you know be that social media yeah you know just you know I don't want to dwell 
too much on social media, but you look at, you know, you, when, when you're working on a record, you need to understand why you're working on it. Yeah. Like, I might love it, but great, that's one thing. But also, like, you know, I'm a business. Who am I actually selling it to and how am I selling it to them? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the artist proposition kind of comes into all of that and, you know, profile numbers, all of it. It's, none of it is the be all and end all, but it's all factors. Yeah. So it's like I try and kind of consider all of that when I'm looking at something. Like what? Why am I doing it? Yeah. No, I get that. I I think. It, do you think that's changed since moving from Defected to FFR? Because FFR is a major, and you kind of have more. Is it? Uh, the, do you have more pressure? Principles are the same. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, look. I mean, I, I'm I'm the worst at self-imposing pressure. To be yeah, honest. yeah. Definitely. I probably put more pressure on myself than I have from from the business but you know it's it's you know there's a great fear in like not succeeding (laughs) you know what i mean so it's like no matter what i'm giving this like everything i've got and then more on top yeah because at least then if for whatever reason it doesn't work i can kind of still look back on it and be proud of myself yeah do you know what i mean that's that's the only way i can really approach it otherwise you know it just wouldn't work but um pressure wise it's just a different thing the difference between you know a major and and a label like defected it's just it's just the scale of potential maybe yeah defected is the absolute king of its lane yeah it owns the lane that it does yeah and there's no one better on the planet at that and that's fantastic yeah yeah but there is also an entire world of music out there beyond that yeah and so you know i can do a few things that maybe overlap slightly with that lane but you know now instead of kind of operating and being you know top of a pile in a relatively narrow bit i can now play on the entire yeah. playing field how does that um, feel because it must be amazing like the, the it is it's 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 daunting but also amazing because you you know just because you've suddenly I don't know like I'm I'm not like good at analogies like, I don't even <laughs> really like football or whatever but it's like you're, you're a striker or something yeah and now you're suddenly playing defense, you know, yeah, just because yeah. you're good at one thing, it doesn't necessarily mean you're good at another. So it's like my approach has been, I'm kind of making like a slow turn, like a boat rather than like a handbrake turn. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I definitely have, and, and I'm already in the process of, of definitely moving out of the areas that I know with my signings and certain things that I'm working on. But I think if you just try and do it overnight, you may get burnt. Yeah. Because yeah. it takes a lot of, kind of understanding of, of areas you're maybe less of an expert in and but that doesn't mean you can't do it yeah. it just you know it, no, it takes that's a cool. minute to get there and also and also just scale of opportunity the, the things that you have at your disposal but the, the you just have to I've, i think what i've kind of learned is thinking bigger yeah yeah and that's that's kind of like that took a minute but I think it's it, it feels good now. How how did you get to that point in this is deep. This is deep, man. How, <laughs> how did you get to that point in your life where you're like, think bigger? Because cause I, I let me let me kind of uh, like add on to that because I think in the dance music realm, in house music, right? House music techno. And this isn't a bad thing, but I think it's a very it's a very insular kind of industry where it's you do this and if you go here or you go here it's risky that 
you're not going to be able to carry on doing this in your lane, if you know what I mean. So how, how, when, so, when did you get to the point? Me, I, I, well, trust me, I already know that I've, I've had a lot of experience in that dynamic Yeah, because, you know, a lot of the records that, that we, you know, we had success with over the years started out as underground records with underground artists yeah. that then got commercially successful. Yeah. And a lot of those artists were like, Oh my God, what's happening? Oh yeah. shit, this is terrifying. We're, I'm never going to get to play XYZ Club again. Yeah. Oh my God, fuck, like freak out. <laughs> and was never really the case. My point is, is like there is a huge difference between commercial and popular, yeah. right? So Camel Fat Cola is the perfect example of this. So the demo that, that I got in, you know, bar, I took a bridge out. That's the only change that was ever made to that record. Yeah. There was a bridge element that I took out to keep just a little bit, to to take it one step more simplistic than the original, original version. Um, And an edit for radio. Mm -hmm. Mix down was never changed. Like the Sonics, nothing changed ever. And that record went on to sell a couple of million Grammy nominated, Ivan Avello nominated. Okay. So that was not a commercial record. That was a popular record. Yeah. Do you do what I mean? It wasn't made. They weren't trying to make a record that did that, yeah, yeah. but it still did it. What a wonderful thing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, so you created a piece of art and surely you want that to be heard by people. Totally. So that totally, was that. Yeah. Yeah. Manifest. I totally agree. Do you, do you know what I mean? But I, but I also am I'm sensitive and very aware that that is a kind of a psychological thing for some artists to get over within that particular scene. Yeah. You know, and probably some other, uh, some other scenes, you know, success can be incredibly daunting. Yeah. yeah. You know, you're, you're kind of doing your thing and it's cool. And then suddenly it's like everyone paying attention to you and wondering what you're going to do next. It's like, oh, fuck. yeah. Well, I know, th- that's why some everyone, everyone reacts in it in different ways. Some people absolutely embrace it and that's all they want to do. And yeah. other people kind of almost run in the opposite direction, flip up their style and kind of go and hide in their comfort zone. And that's also fine. Yeah, I th- I think it what it is is that a lot I think a lot of people dream when they're first starting writing music. Maybe I can only speak for myself, but you dream to be doing it as a living. And then past that you don't expect anything else, if you know what I mean. And then when it gets to that point yeah, where I it's guess. wild let's let's use camel fat for an example like what they had done in the past was obviously extremely successful and they were doing camel fat for years before cola came on and you signed cola to, cola to defected and look where they are now but i don't think you can ever imagine that ever happening as much as you'd want it to happen i don't think many people can imagine that happening pure well, I think you you can you can want it to happen. Totally. I don't think you can assume it will. Yeah, totally. Difference. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I think you know you can you can of course want you know to have success and aspirations and you know things like that. But I think you just you just work hard and try and aim for that to then kind of literally assume that is going to happen. I think it's a different story, and that's that's where you're maybe setting yourself up for a fall. But if you absolutely believe in what you're doing and you're passionate and you're kind of giving it everything, like I kind of said, like about me personally, if you give it everything you have, then you should, you know, then great. Whether it, yeah. you know, success is, is, is successful or fails, you gave it everything. Yeah. You know, what else could you have done? Totally. No, yeah. So going back to the question, where, when did you 
in your career get to the point where you're like, I want to take this, I want to be able to go from this to bigger? Well, weirdly, again, I hate kind of coming back to, to camel fat, but obviously through that process, yeah. um, you know, the record was was a huge success. Yeah. It, it did get nominated for a Grammy, so went to the Grammys in New York. Um, it was nominated for an Ivan Avello, like went to that, you know, yeah. you just kind of see a bigger world out there. Yeah, yeah. And it's it was then kind of slightly challenging for me to then just kind of go back and, and kind of start again and just kind of do... <laughs> things yeah. that are a bit small don't get me wrong very very passionate about all of that stuff but it just felt a little bit less inspiring yeah and you know my, my thing was i just wanted to challenge myself i wanted to leave my comfort zone yeah i wanted to learn i wanted to be terrified yeah you know what i mean it was it was it was a lot it was on a lot of levels do you know what i mean that 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 particular record and the experiences associated with it just kind of opened the door slightly but you know i was keen to kind of walk through i just i needed to just jump into the darkness and see where i landed no i respect that it was all quite it took about two years of building up to it because i i hate stuff like that but (laughs) but i kind of i had to do it so what's what's it like to be literally like you're the man this sounds this is putting a lot of pressure on you and i know you put a lot of pressure on yourself but you're literally the man that can make someone's career to a certain extent it's you are and you're not the artist makes their own career I'm yeah just the person that maybe helps you yeah but we all know the like how much a, a lot of artists rely on record labels right nowadays not not so much but there's a yeah do you see what i'm saying it's like for, let's say camel fat I, I don't want to talk about them the whole podcast but <laughs> let's say camel Sorry, fat <laughs> yeah, as much as we love you um but like again they're from that record that you was like yeah let's do it their life completely changed and i know you're just a part of the puzzle and everything else past that it was all of it's down to them but you're still the part that that record could have come out and on a label that didn't necessarily have as big of a but, but that's just that's just fate and butterfly effect and sliding doors and all of that kind of stuff it's like you know ultimately the decisions you make are the decisions you make and you could yeah. have made different ones other people could have made different ones and we'll never know what those alternative paths are like i do actually think about that quite a lot but I, there's, there's just no answer like there are certain things where i'd love to know if I'd have done that record instead of someone else, would I have done it as well? Because I, I remember I, I really tried and went really hard for like Duke Dumont Need You 100% yeah. years ago. Like, and I've been really close with like Adam Duke ever since. Like, but I never did that record. Yeah. So Ministry of Sound did it and they put it to number one. Yeah. And I don't think I ever would have put that record to number one. Yeah. So I'm actually very happy for him and his big picture, you know, totally. his career ever since. But that record went there. But then again, there's also other records that I was maybe going after that, that someone else got, well, got. But I absolutely think that I probably would have done a better job. Or maybe there's just so much kind of like little twists of fate. It really is like little butterfly effects. It's yeah. like you've just you've just got to be super open and tuned in to yeah. all that kind of stuff. It's like literally like a, an artist I've just ended up signing for a multi-album deal kind of came about through like a manager may, I just really like the guys. We just started hanging out. I mean, 
he kind of played me something. I was just like, oh, wow, this, really, this is really exciting. Like, meet the guy. You know, it just spiraled. It just yeah. came from like a little spark just because we are kind of like developed a relationship with someone about something totally unrelated five years ago. Yeah. But then led me to that point now where I'm now working with this artist. That's mad. So it's like it? all, all of this stuff just comes from, from anywhere. Yeah. Like, I just try and be kind of tuned into that reality and, and like, and be sensitive to it and open to it and the opportunity and you know something that's exciting can literally come from anywhere and anyone and you know and, and just try and have relationships that open as many doors as possible for those opportunities to come my way totally if that makes any sense <laughs> no I, I think i think it's just I talk a... about this stuff in like quite weird ways <laughs> no so. i i dig it because it you're right and at the end of the day i think it kind of comes down to almost that luck type of thing as well is that I, it, it, there's there's luck involved but there's also not it's like you know these relationships are carefully managed you, you know you can have something great walk through your door but you still got to know it's great and, and act on it mm. you know ultimately again from an A&R's point of view it's very different to like say being a dj or you know a radio presenter or something like that like say 20 records are put on a table you know, as, as a DJ, you can pick up and play any of them, yeah. like from your point of view and kind of just do some stuff, see if it works. It doesn't cost you anything to do that. Yeah, Radio, yeah. exactly the same. So from a record label point of view, if I want to do anything with any of those records, every single one of them comes with a deal, a negotiation, a relationship, yeah. uh, at, like money up front, risk, yeah. all of that stuff. So my calls are a lot more considered and loaded, obviously, both kind of creatively, financially, et cetera. So, you know, I have to know what I'm doing and why. Yeah. No, I I totally agree with you, and I think I think people forget. I think artists forget about that, and also people forget about that. That the label, most label, especially in the situation where you're at now, in like a major, that there's a lot of it's business at the end of the day. This is this is a business. This is it's a passion project, but it is also a business. And the way the, the way I kind of look at it is like there's there's two kind of pillars but I'm always kind of trying to be aware of, right? Commerciality uh, and cultural relevance. Yeah. And like, they're the two things. So if I'm like, if I'm doing something, is it culturally relevant or is it commercially relevant? If it's kind of neither, you know, yeah. then, then why are you doing it? Um, you know, and again, again, the same type, another kind of example is like, you, you've got records that are all heart, you've got records that are all head. All head is like, I'm just doing this because I think there's really good business in this. Yeah. All hearts, I just fucking love this record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and a lot of them are kind of in between. So it's just, again, it's just kind of knowing what you're doing and why you're doing it. Yeah. You know, there might be certain records like going way back, um, Storm Queen looked right through. Yeah. The original deal on that was, was not good for the label I was at at the time like you know we just were insanely passionate about that record we just loved it yeah and we spent a, you know a fair amount of money getting it and it and it lost a lot of money for quite a long time and then MK's remix <laughs> kind of two years later became good number one record yeah. but we signed it for all, all the right reasons and it, and it just happened to kind of not through chance like don't get me wrong like you know there was campaigns and stuff behind the scenes to kind of you know, amplify, but also like Mark was just having a, a moment at that time. It was, yeah. it was a proper planets aligning thing, but ultimately we wouldn't have signed a record if we didn't absolutely love it. Like yeah. we signed it for the original record, not for Mark's. That yeah, didn't yeah. exist. Yeah. It didn't do what I mean. Yeah. So it's like, so 
for, for me as a as a business you know i'm looking at it as a business but your consumer certainly isn't no they're looking for like what they want to hear you know and, and not everything that you want to hear is commercially successful but it can also be incredibly important yeah so it's just trying to hit this really interesting balance between both sides of it and it's not easy but you know i kind of try and do stuff that i think it just it just has to speak to you in some way like whatever i do i hope <laughs> <laughs> no, to me, anyway. I, I like that i like that a lot so with regards to actually like being an A&R, how much of it is you going out and finding the records or the records coming to you? Well, this was the interesting thing about, about moving on from, from where I was is the fact that I built up this incredible brand, yeah. this incredible community, um, this incredible events business. So it was very much becoming like a destination label for people. Yeah. Um, a lot of artists would kind of look at that and go, I want a piece of that. Yeah. There's a machine there, like through the radio shows, socials, et cetera, that amplifies a piece of music right from the get-go. Yeah. So it's almost like making, you know, the brand itself gives a certain level of pre-promotion, which is really invaluable in today's market. And then on top of that, you know, all DJs want gigs yeah and here's a brand that's you know doing 200 plus shows a year yeah, yeah. can i do a couple of those please so in that environment a, a lot of music did come to you yeah. which was amazing in some ways also like an absolute nightmare in other ways just from time management because yeah. I'm, I'm kind of one of those idiots that does try to listen to every single thing that i get sent even if it takes even if i apply to you like eight weeks later i did i did get to it yeah <laughs> but there may be a significant delay sometimes so there was a certain amount of that but then i was also going out and getting stuff um in moving that luxury was totally removed yeah so it was very much go out and just get amongst it and find stuff now it's kind of starting to flow back in a little bit more but initially it was just like i just had to go out there and just shake the trees and see yeah. what came out is that exciting yeah, fucking terrifying and all, but <laughs> there's something about it. There's something for, for me. There's something about going out and finding, and like once you've found something that you absolutely believe in, it's like this is amazing. There must be such like such a nice feeling when you like it's, get that record. It's, and you're it's, like, yes, no, definitely. But but again, like I kind of said earlier, like everything comes from different places. I never quite know where something's going to come from. Yeah. So as much as I was like going out and kind of you know shaking the trees or what for want of a better phrase like you know this artist that, that's, that's forthcoming that i'm insanely excited about came through a meeting with a manager i had a relationship with i was just like filling my diary with interaction that yeah. was the most important thing constant interaction with people like because you just never know as i say you just you just never know where it'd be like oh have you heard about that kid or yeah like um oh, i've just signed this artist or you should look at them or or you go to a gig and you hear a tune it's just like just literally never know where that next thing you're gonna want is gonna come from i mean like the first thing that i kind of really signed like that alan fitzpatrick and patrice rush and having yeah. you heard thing like um like I was looking, you know, I was, I, I kind of was aware of it because it was being played like on, on Radio 1 a bit. Um, and then uh, a guy called Tom from Your Army, who's like, was a club promo guy on that, yeah. like sent a message saying, this record's really doing great bits. Like you should have a look at it. And I was like, oh, no, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and then he like emailed back a week later and he's like, still doing bits. I was like, yeah, do you know what? You're right. Yeah. And like, so then picked it up, you know, and it's, it's, it's done well. And that was 
just but it just came from you know it didn't come from organically a normal yeah. source it just came from like just whatever so it's just like i'll just try and maximize all those interactions and thank you tom by the way <laughs> <laughs> big ups to tom i also big think because going back to that brand thing ffrr as much as the like heads know it's it's been a great record label for years but i feel like the like 33 years yeah i feel like the brand the brand of ffrr kind of like went a little bit under the carpet for a, for a while and i think since since you've taken it back or since you've started working there it's kind of come to the fruition where it's finding finding its feet again and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. Labels do this. No, and... no, 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 not at all. Um, I mean, look, it's it's absolute. I mean, it, but its heritage is mm. a huge part of why I was interested to work there. Yeah. Um, you know, like when I, I didn't know where I was going when I left Affected. I just decided I was leaving, yeah. but I didn't know what I was going to do. I was like, uh, you know, I have a certain amount of time to figure that out and if i can't find a job in that period that's kind of on me yeah so it's like it, that was the proper leap into the unknown yeah um and then i ended up like having a, a lunch with someone like literally three days after that and this opportunity was put on the table or kind of like you know mentioned and i was just like oh and then i kind of stopped <laughs> looking because i was like shit it's actually like this kind of ticks every box yeah. that i could want because it was kind of like leaving my comfort zone opportunity to do other things outside of the area but then also you know a huge part of what I learned at Defected was was brand related and the power totally. of a brand yeah. to, to coincide working with music. And obviously FFR absolutely ha- has that incredible heritage. Yeah. But I also agree with the point that it may be what, it, look, it's very hard to keep a brand at the top of its game totally. for like 30 plus years. Totally. You know, and and nothing but absolute love and respect to Pete Tong for everything that he did. 100%. It's absolutely iconic. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, I think he also would would maybe think um, that, that a fresh energy was needed. You know, he he, he stepped back and yeah. is now doing amazing things over, over at Sony exactly, with 360. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, so I think maybe he felt that was a good time for him to kind of go and do something new and, and more power to him. So my strategy with it was um, exactly what you kind of said i just wanted it to be visible again yeah so that was why it was really important when doing like you know alan's record or the eats everything record but they were like the old logo house band. yeah so it's just like just make that visible again that was all i kind of you know don't get me wrong i love the records obviously want those records to be as successful as they possibly can but they're also serving a dual purpose for totally them. yeah yeah totally. you know what i mean it's like um you know and also by working with dan and alan you know, they have platforms. Yeah. So this is what I'm saying when I'm talking, I'm thinking about like a lot of things when I'm doing all of these things. So as well as the music being fantastic and something I absolutely want to back yeah. and and promote and be associated with, um, they are also essentially re- helping to reestablish the visibility of a brand. No, totally. And you see what I mean? Yeah, no, so- I, I, I saw what you did and I, that's why I kind of brought it up because it was like that classic FFRR logo is like, well, and this is this years and... brings me on to the next stage of it as well. So, like, it, it, once I kind of got that and just reestablished that here we are, we're in business and we mean it and we're getting amongst it. Yeah. And, you know, we are a good home for your music yeah. if you fancy releasing with us. You know, that was that's kind of stage one. Stage two has been uh, essentially there's going to be a rebrand in yeah. the very near future. 
that completely updates for visual identity across the board yeah. of the label. So the next step is we're back and we really fucking mean business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And here's kind of what we've got and why. And like, yeah, it's, you know, it's been an insane amount of work for like um, for the last, you know, six plus months actually yeah, I can imagine. to kind of get to this point, both musically um because obviously you know it's great to have something that looks good if the music shit and literally no one on earth will give a fuck so yeah. the music has to kind of match match the rest um and then also kind of trying to find these acts that um define the new identity of a label yeah that's really important as well so um and my my kind of when i was trying to work out what i wanted to do with a brand i just went and looked at the history so it's yeah. like, you know, it was the home of, you know, Armour Van Helden, You Don't Know Me, Amazing yeah. House Record. And my reference for that was like, so eat everything honey kind of sit sit with that. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It sits in that like, But then also it has like Goldie, Timeless, Orbital, Belfast, yeah. like Salt Pepper Push It. Like, <laughs> um, I mean, there's just so much and it was so broad musically. It's, it's annoying. Um, like, there's so much. So it was like, okay, I kind of went back and like pulled up like landmark records, landmark artists, and then tried to go like, who's today's equivalent yeah. of these acts and these musical lanes? And it was really broad. You know, like Shy FX was putting out music on FFRs. It's like it done pretty much everything apart from maybe like grime in yeah. the history. Like Brand New Heavies were on it, like Asian Dub Foundation, All Seeing Eyes. Like it's really broad when you yeah. go back. So that's what I want it to be again is a really really broad That's musical cool. home but like i kind of said earlier about you don't do the handbrake turn yeah so i think right now it's probably still it's probably most associated right at this moment in time for more house leaning music yeah so okay let's let's keep that kind of running but then at the same time let's, let's look out show well. wider things bit by bit and also like finding those kind of acts that are hopefully seminal and literally like kind of genre defining or game changing don't just appear every day i mean i'd love to have of six course. of them sitting here right yeah, now but yeah. you know I, found, I think i found one but i'm hoping i find a lot more i think that's the thing isn't it because when when i started my label it's kind of i think the perception from the public is are oh, you're going to be releasing what you write as an artist and for me starting the label it was actually like that was never my goal. And I've always wanted to kind of turn it into more of a, a multi-genre label where I can work, where I, I can learn how to work artist and learn how to run a record label that doesn't just serve house and techno, if that makes sense. And I think it's, I think it doesn't happen in the like independent side of things so much anymore. There's, don't get me wrong, there's some amazing independent multi-genre labels. But I think it's, like you said, you can't do that handbrake turn. You can't just be like, okay, I'm releasing a hip-hop record. I'm releasing a drum and bass record. Or I'm releasing this artist and it's an album and it's just piano music. I think it's just about the whole build-up of the brand and doing it the correct way. And once you kind I of... It, I think it's about working out what you want to say and what yeah. you want to achieve and then kind of working backwards about how you're actually going to do that. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, my model you're not my model but you know I, I can't help but be inspired by someone like richard russell with excel I was about you know, they to say started him, out yeah i mean look i think you know i'm certainly not going to be alone in that yeah but but his thing you know starting out kind of doing dance 
you know, obviously hugely successfully with a prodigy. Yeah. But obviously doing kind of like, you know, loads of seminal rave records and amongst it all. But then, excuse me, it doesn't happen overnight. No. But he, you know, gets to a point where he's doing, you know, White Stripes and, you know, obviously Adele yeah. is very obvious. But, yeah. you know, but the, the, the musical output on that was so broad on that label, but yeah. always exciting. I mean, I think Excel's thing, it just became like a stamp of honor. Like if Excel signs you, your shit heart yeah. like where the genre, genre irrelevant yeah but that's like 20 years to yeah, that totally point. yeah you know you, you you've got to prove yourself and, and kind of build to that and just have those acts but i mean like i'm sure he wasn't sitting there kind of going oh i think this is going to do this it's like i think he just was doing stuff that he really 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 believed in yeah and was absolutely passionate about i mean i, I bought his book but i haven't read it yet that's next on my list but i've done it um it's good yeah i I've, i mean I've, I've heard nothing but good things yeah. i just need to find a minute to get stuck into it but that's definitely my next uh proper proper sit down read because i just know there'll be a few gems in there that i'll steal yeah it's, it's i listen i listen <laughs> to the audiobook i can't stand reading uh that's but... that's not a bad because he did it as well so he, it was him. yeah and he, I, I saw something where he's like getting people like his dad doing a bit yeah. and like the artists saying their bits and stuff which i love and they, there's like Keith, Keith's in there, and there's like a, a lot of artists in there that he kind of signed that talks their Amazing. part in it. So it's, yes, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. So is, is that, is that the plan that you're kind of going to move forward with FFRO and be like more of a broader label? Yeah, I mean, look, I think it, I want it to be like a broad church for exceptional talent, but it's probably within the dance and electronic world yeah but that's a really really wide world of course yeah but then if something but the thing is then if something comes along that just i can't ignore yeah i, I want to get it to the point where that could live on there yeah. but the thing is like you know also from an artist's point of view you're entrusting someone with your career and if it's like you know if they're a singer songwriter you know i might love them but they might just be like well why should i be signing here especially if it's competitive as well yeah yeah and i maybe you know battling in a deal against like universal sony or whatever <laughs> you know i have to yeah. I have to kind of be realistic about exactly where i'm standing in the hierarchy at that moment in time don't get me wrong if i've you know if, if, if things have gone right and i've got acts you know smashing it in different areas yeah. that those conversations become that little bit easier but you know the artist i think needs to trust that you're also going to be a safe home for their art yeah. i think but within dance electronic that's more quantifiable than necessarily outside of that genre yeah. at this moment in time. But also, like in the meantime, I also am like a senior and off a parlophone, which obviously covers that completely. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like you know, I'm, I'm I'm signing or working on signing some stuff there for the moment, but it will be parlophone, not FFL. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, that's... it's definitely interesting. And yeah. Exciting. No, it's, I can imagine scary as well. Because I right. like I I've worked with a few pop people and. I was in the studio with some with some like pop people the other day and it's just a very different mindset. Um and I love it. It kind of excites me where because I see it from my side of things where it's like this has to be a really good dance floor record. This has to work straight there like this has to be a global hit. Yeah straight up and it's they... about, no look totally the thing, the thing is it's like it's scale of ambition is one thing which i find really exciting yeah. it's like i want this to be fucking huge yeah and that, that's really exciting and also like 
it's really, 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 really hard to make a pop record. Really hard. It, I know it looks like the thing is to, to be outside looking in, it looks really easy. And people kind of take the piss about like, you know, when you see, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody written by like, four people and then like this other record written by 26 people yeah, yeah, yeah. those kind of things are always quite led because often it might have three samples in which yeah. you should have four writers like so ignore that shit like those things aren't don't tend to be the truth but also like to go and set out and actually try and make something like that is really hard because yeah. there's there's thousands if not tens of thousands if not hundreds of thousands of people trying to do that and absolutely failing yeah it's not easy to write a pop record when you're actually trying to it is really 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 hard it is yeah. so like more power to the people that play that game because it is an incredibly tough game and it's it's not it's also the case is that once you're writing pop records you have to keep writing hits once you've written a hit you have to keep writing hits and you have to keep keep but it depends it depends who you are i mean if you're the artist yeah like as in you're fronting the project but if you're a producer you can be flexible you can do other things like of course you know if that's your core business is writing pop records but that's not stopping you going and making anything you anything you want yeah i mean business, i mean on an artist side of things aside. i mean on an artist yeah side no of look if, if but again it's like what you're what you're trying to achieve yeah if you're a pop artist and you know your first your first thing goes or you, you're in the mix yeah and you want a career yeah gotta keep going not, gotta keep going yeah it's, it's hard to kind of pivot but again it just depends who you are and what you're trying to achieve you know every single career path is different no i totally agree totally agree so with regards to i don't know where i was going to go with that <laughs> with regards to <laughs> oh, with regards three four <laughs> sorry so yeah records i want to talk yes. about records um obviously you signed camel fat cola but what are the records that you are like, I'm really proud I signed that? Obviously, you signed a lot of records and it's not it's not belittling everyone else that you sign in just because you say one or no, two. But sure. like, what was the record that you're like, I'm really proud that I like believed in this and... Uh, that's put me on the spot. And also my brain has just gone totally blank. <laughs> like, mate, I Shazam things I've signed. I'm like, I really like oh, this really? What's that? Oh, I signed it. Shit. <laughs> Mate, it's it's really bad. <laughs> the good thing is, I'm like, this thing's sick. Oh, I did it. Shit. That's hilarious. <laughs> Look, it's been, you know, I've been doing this for quite a while. Yeah. Like, that's my excuse and I'm sticking to it. And, there, you know, there's a reasonably high level of output as well over the years. So I'm kind of, I'm caveating that as a slightly. What was I mean, look, every, every record's kind of different, you know, because the thing is, I also know the entire journey of a record and yeah. all the characters involved and a lot of like the pain and heartache behind the scenes and you know the the, the ups and the downs. Yeah. So it's like my 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 kind of experience and association with a lot of these titles is 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 very different to anyone else's. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? So it's like I kind of look at certain things. I just remember that manager or that artist or the drama or like the thing that was said no to or the battle that you know whatever it may be. Yeah. So it's just it's it's very hard to quantify. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's there's records. I mean, every record was done for a reason. Like, there was always something that I loved about it. So, you know, there's very few that I kind of look back on and go, oh, geez, oh, oh, yeah, we won't talk about that one. There were definitely a few, but 
the one the one record <laughs> you signed for me that i do that about spandex every day <laughs> i'm not gonna say nothing but... <laughs> <laughs> do you know what like i still see like i still see my thought process with that one it was i i think i even said to you at the time this will either be absolutely huge or absolutely not yeah like it, there's no middle ground with a record like that no it's like it's it's going to be marmite it's either going to absolutely catch people's appeal like or, or you know yeah and, but but i think those records are good to do as well you know you, you've got to take risks yeah you've got to do stuff but but you know i'd hope it didn't cause any you know you or i any harm like long term no, not at all not at all <laughs> just, you know I mean? just so, with myself i think it caused more harm with myself than than anything else but the only thing i would take back is the video like if i could take it, that no back, one's seen it mate Oh, did we never put it out? No, we never put it out, thank God. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Good. Oh, thank God. Yeah, we never put it out. <laughs> I just I, had flashbacks of that. I remember Dude. filming that that de- that video and was like, okay, okay. <laughs> I don't know whose idea that was as well. It, it, it wasn't mine. No, it wasn't mine as well. Oh, like, I'm not going to throw anyone on <laughs> the bus, but it definitely wasn't mine. No, me neither. Good times. Okay, I'm so, so glad that ever came out. Oh, mate, it's awful. <laughs> We should try and find it though. No, let's absolutely not. <laughs> I don't. I don't need to see that again. Who was that guy? I don't know. I feel. I feel like you need to slightly contextualize for your listeners what yeah, this, this is was. True. You know, we're just we're just cringing about something that everyone's just like, "What?" So I signed. <laughs> How would you describe it? It was like, <laughs> it was like this really awful, like overweight dude that just got. Like was wearing a spandex thing that was far too tight. Obviously, you know, on the on the realms of grotesque. Yeah. Like, just what was he like on the tube and dancing at people and stuff? But, yeah. You know, it was meant to be funny, but unfortunately, like the casting of a dude just made it creepy as hell. It was really creepy, and it was like a summer's day in London, so it was kind yeah. of busy. You could tourists. you could smell him through the screens. <laughs> And he had to change. Yeah, anyway, he had like mul- he-, he had like multiple spandex suits. So he had like the pink Power Ranger one, and then had like yeah, wasn't the it meant to be on. like a kind of shit superhero or something? Yeah. Anyway, it was... there you go. You can fill in the you can fill in the gaps from there. Yeah, I'm all I'm all for concept, but you know sometimes it doesn't work out <laughs> quite how you imagined it. Definitely, even though this wasn't my concept. Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> no names. Um, no talk names. about uh, output with regards to the difference in output on defected where you're releasing a lot every week, I can imagine, or however, I don't know, but compared to like a major, are you like listening to that Richard Russell book? They were like, like, let's say for instance, like young, young Turks that where they're literally sign one artist or two artists a year. And they will literally put everything into that artist. Um, How does it work with, with you guys on, FFRR with kind of the amount of output. My thing is like I, I you know, I, I see both sides. So defected, you know, because of the number of labels involved in it. Even though each label wouldn't necessarily be releasing, you know, a huge amount of output, there was also quite a lot of labels. Yeah. So therefore, that became a certain level of output. Um, so there was a pretty high tempo there. Yeah, and that's fine. That was great. That that made a lot of sense. Um, 
the majors it, it's a bit of a you know but also yeah i see the young turks thing where it's just all about finding that singular yeah unique talent and making sure that project is the best it can possibly be i don't love either yeah i quite like being in between because so yes i want to put out records that i absolutely like a thousand percent believe in but i also know through experience but i can really be surprised yeah you know where i kind of like thought something was going to do x and then it goes on to do y and that was never what i expected it goes both ways as in it could be exponentially more successful or less successful than i kind of imagined so my thing is like i would rather i kind of want to have be putting out stuff that i think is good on a relatively consistent basis because i would like to have the opportunity for things to surprise me yeah positively you know or negatively that's you know that's that's part of the cause but i think the more the more opportunity you have out there, the more likely something is to happen. <laughs> Do you know what yeah, I mean? So yeah, it's like, definitely. and I don't mean that like flippantly as in like it's spread bang, but you know what I mean? It's like, I think, you know, as long as it's, you're putting things out that you do want to be putting out, if you're just filling the schedule for the sake of it, because you think something might work, that's a different thing. I'm yeah. not talking about that. I'm just kind of like, I would, you know, I like the idea of having a certain amount of output out there. Yeah. Obviously, you know, I have expectations for everything, but some things may exceed. Yeah, yeah. But I've got to put it out to find out. No, definitely. Is are you ever like super shocked that you're thinking like this record is going to do really well, and then some? Like, I think with music, it depends on what's actually happening everywhere else in the world as well, Um, and what else is coming out. Because, like, let's say for instance, like. Calvin's got a new record out one day and you put a record on out that day and you might have got, let's say, Essential New Tune, Pete Tong Essential New Tune, or hottest record in the world. But because Calvin is putting a record out, he's going to get it, if you know what I mean. Is yeah, yeah. is there like a big amount of planning behind that you guys do where you're like, okay, we need to... Yeah, you can move. get a certain amount of visibility on stuff like that and you obviously try and avoid something that you know is going to, you know is more likely to take precedent yeah um i mean i've literally moved something um recently because you know another act of, that is exponentially bigger yeah had to move their things to the same day and i just don't really it's not doesn't make any sense to literally yeah, sit yeah. there and compete on that same day so i'll just i'll just nudge mine back a week or, yeah. or pull it forward a week or whatever so i'm definitely mindful of that kind of stuff um and then sorry remind me but the rest of the question sorry um, we talk about uh, we talk about <laughs> tempo of output, and was, then it's kind of watching out for like other people. But there was there was kind of a, a bigger point. To there that, was rather than like you know scheduling conflicts. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. Me neither, dude. It's been Shit. a long week. It's probably quite a good one. It was as well. <laughs> it's probably quite a good. It was. It, it was about output. Uh, was it? And... it was a good one. Oh my god! Brain fart, people. Welcome to the welcome to the one <laughs> o'clock <laughs> In my defence, it's like eight thirty or whatever on a Sunday night. I know it's like I've got an excuse. Yeah, same. You've got a kid as well. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. So I'm still thinking you're like on LA time. Yeah. Sorry, man. I don't even live in LA when I'm in America as well. This is the thing. <laughs> Do you live in that time zone? Pardon? No, I live. live in I live, time- in, I live right. in Detroit. All right, I need so, to shut the fuck up, man. Yeah. Jesus. But it, it was it was I didn't know that. What the, fuck? the the uh, oh, the question was like about the amount of output you put on as a label and 
how you affect how that affects you as the label oh like your campaigns and stuff yeah look you you kind of in my head like literally everything i do has its own campaign yeah you know it's, it's like what i said really really early like about the the kind of conversation between your expectations of your marketing team like like this record is a club record. Yeah. It's about positioning. And I think the best it's going to do is a little, little bit on DSPs and, you know, Beatport will be well, and it'll live there. Ah, that's what we were talking about. I've just remembered. So how the world changes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There yeah. you go. We're yeah, back. We go. We're back on track, mate. <laughs> um, and look, I've experienced it massively firsthand along with everyone else in the world yeah. with COVID. So the whole world changed overnight. Yeah. And I'd signed records, you know, a lot of the output up until almost now was probably signed pre yeah, um yeah. pre-lockdown, pre-COVID, etc. So, you know, a record like Eats Everything Honey, uh Diplo on my mind. Actually, Diplo is a really, really good example. So that record, for whatever reason, we just really, really struggled to get on radio. Yeah. But it was just absolutely smashing it in, in all other areas. Um solid at specialist. Um, but the next step was kind of take trying to take it to daytime, but we just really struggled yeah. for whatever reason. And my next strategy in a normal world would have been through the the remixes from like Purple Disco Machine, which was absolutely flying at the yeah. time, MK, which was just a perfect kind of festival yeah, club yeah. tune, and the original. That vocal just would have been played in some capacity at probably you know ninety percent of festivals yeah. of a whole summer in the UK yeah, and Europe. Yeah. You know, it, within genre, obviously, it would have had some presence. Yeah. I would have expected. And my thing was, I could have taken all of those plays footage. Etc. And fed that back onto yeah, radio yeah. and told a bigger story. Eat something, honey. Very same thing. Like it's it's a club listen. It's not a passive Spotify listen no. that you you know unless you all unless you've already had that contextualized in some other way. Yeah. As in you heard it in a club and you're like, I love this record. And you've got that association. You hear it at home and you're kind of taken back to that moment. So those records, I think, because of the nature of them being a bit more club heavy like have really or not have really suffered but did suffer in some way um by the world just straight up changing yeah you know what i mean but there there was no that's just that's just reality unfortunately you know it's it's a shame because those are kind of ones where i can kind of see what could have been maybe yeah you know and 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 with with eats everything like there's still life there i'm still kind of i still think there's loads more we could do with it that i'm working on but you know, on the Diplo one, it was like, yeah, but it is what it is. Yeah, it, it, the, the whole COVID thing is kind of, it's changed how we release records in the dance music industry massively. It, it, yeah, it, it definitely is challenging because, you know, it's dance music. A huge amount of these records' life is in club and live. Yeah. That obviously no longer exists or it doesn't exist at this moment in time and certainly not in the same way as it did. Yeah. Um, and I think... You know, right at the very start, I kind of was like, what do I do with the schedule? Like, do I, you know, you know, when you didn't, when we had no kind of totally. context as to how yeah, long yeah. this was going to like, everyone thought this was just two weeks yeah. or something, you know, and like six, six months plus months later, we're still here in exactly the same kind of position, obviously, you know, with some more normality in the mix. But I kind of hit a point where it was just like, just got to keep going. Yeah. I know that some things are going to suffer, but I'm just going to keep putting out music. It's It's kind of mad not to because we have no visibility on when you know this is going to end if it's going to end and what you know what the world is like on the other side so it's just adapt and evolve time and just get amongst it because 
you know, I'd, I'd just, I'd rather just change and embrace the reality because I have, I can't affect it. Yeah. So I just need to be positive and make the most of it. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I have no other choice. You know, I think if you, if you try and kind of go, Oh, what if, what if it's like, it doesn't help you. Do you think there's a way to release music, release like club dance music, electronic music in a sense without the clubs and kind of allow it to, to get it to a point where it can still be extremely successful? Or do you think it is at the point where you've, you, you need the clubs to get a record further? Because for me, like I, um, I had Hallelujah that came out and Hallelujah had done a year of the clubs. So it kind of worked pretty well for me. Yeah. 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 But then my next record is a record with, with MK and it hasn't seen the, it's seen the clubs in my sets, but it's not seen the clubs in anybody yeah. else's sets. And it was supposed to come out in July and we've moved it to October. So it's like, but still, it's yeah, kind of I guess, like, I mean, I don't know. With that, with that specific one, obviously you have the benefit of MK. Yeah, definitely. Know, who, and this is what I mean about when you look at the bigger picture. So yeah. obviously MK is like a kind of very known quantifiable artist proposition. Yeah. Um, he's he's going to help get kind of, is on the record yeah just through the nature of, of who he is as an artist and you know his his kind of monthly listeners on spotify or whatever it mm. may be so you know he, that's going to help you uh radio etc so you know i'd still think that there's you know a chance for a record but that's the thing you have to kind of know where you are starting these things from yeah. you know if you're just making a you know a tech house roller and no one knows who you are Ugh. yeah it's going to be harder for you to cut through yeah. at this moment in time um just because you know how how are people going to discover you or this record you know and unless the records like you know truly exceptional and stands out or whatever it may be um it's still absolutely as possible um like john summit deep end great record but cut through from an act but you know i wasn't at that level but this record's just absolutely cut through again benefiting i think from the you know the defective platform but allowed it to cut through the uh, environment. But the record also absolutely stands out. It's a good record, you know, the, yeah. the vocals was used in a load of TikTok videos as like a kind of hip hop thing. Yeah. So it had a familiarity. So there's all these elements that mean it kind of, that's why that one cut through. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? So you can, I can kind of trace back why that record kind yeah, of was yeah. able to do what it did. And that's fantastic. So it is still possible. But that was really encouraging. I was like, ah, oh, thank God this can still happen. It was. And I guess the th- I spoke about this with Huxley on the podcast, actually. And it was like, I almost kind of feel sorry for people that are small. Like, let's say, for instance, with John, if you know what I mean, where that was, that's his biggest record so far. Um, and I just hope that can carry on until after lockdown and kind of progress into a career afterwards because let's say for instance if clubs I were mean, open now like it would be great for him yeah, it'd be smashing know? it yeah be killing it no for sure i mean the, the thing that's interesting to me is like this bit of a tangent but i'm, I'm really really intrigued it's like obviously loads of loads of fantastic music is being put out um during this period yeah uh, you know i'd love to know what people are playing when they come back is like are you still just yeah. playing the thing that came out last week or are you digging back through the last totally. six months of amazing output because you've got so much amazing material to kind of reach from that, that hasn't had this kind of club opportunity. And I find that that bit really exciting. I, I have no idea what the answer actually is. I'd hope that people are kind of like 
you know, just digging through this wealth of amazing material from all over the place, from the entirety of this yeah. period, and obviously plus, you know, everything else as well. I mean, the, the good thing about it all is I think a lot of people are using this time to create. You know, yeah, people are at definitely. home, they have more time on their hands. You know, the road is, is quite often a, a negative when it comes to content, you know, music production, content creation, you know. I know that some people are also finding this a very challenging period on a lot of levels, like mentally yeah. and you know, physically, and and that's not necessarily a great place for wanting to make music. No. You know, some people are kind of changing what they're making because you know they're not in that kind of environment, so their head's not hugely there. So it's just it, it's it's just a really interesting moment. But I, you know, I do think that quite often through times of you know upheaval or stress good art tends to come out of it it might yeah. not be in different ways than you expected but you know i'm quite i feel quite positive about things from that point of view i totally agree the the people that i've been kind of working with and it's all been like really positive and i know i've got like obviously we all know people that are struggling if you know what i mean inside the music industry and outside the music industry but i i do think i do think we need things like this to happen sometimes to kind of shake you and be like do something different or look outside the box. And I know that sounds cliche, but it's like you, you don't just have to do that one thing and you can try other things. hundred uh, percent. And I think that's, that's kind of what I was getting at to a certain degree when I'm kind of saying about, you just have to deal with the reality yeah, of totally. the situation, whether you, whether you trust me, it's not what I wanted. I didn't want to kind of like, you know, make a big yeah. job move like this. And then a couple of months in literally <laughs> have like a huge part of how I deliver records yeah. to the world, like pulled out from under my feet and don't get me wrong. It was a very, it was a massive head fuck and quite stressful. And, yeah. you know, and it, this whole kind of just the whole dynamic has been challenging in a lot of ways, but you know, it's the same for everyone in different, you know, in different ways. So I think, you know, this whole period has been tough for pretty much everyone on the planet yeah. in some capacity. However, like, me being upset or moaning or whatever doesn't change no. a single bit of reality yeah. so it's just like okay well this is it for yeah. the foreseeable period how am i going to make the most of it and how am i going to adapt and still try and achieve the things that i want to achieve you know i'm not going to be right in a certain amount of it but that's the mindset you know and, and as long as i'm kind of learning from each thing that i do then it's still moving forward in a positive way because no one's sitting there with all the answers i think that's the thing is about accepting that you just have to change and each time you change you you learn from it i don't know if you've don't know if you've read have you read the, uh, the book shoe dog yeah yeah literally that's the last thing i finished okay so it's amazing book. it's um, unreal isn't it um and yeah yeah so, it's it's brilliant so anyone that's li listening that doesn't know shoe dog it's it's about uh the how nike was created um and the owner of nike i forgot his name what's his name I've forgotten his name as well, which is terrible. <laughs> it's a brilliant book. Like. Um, um, I've got to put it up. Name. But anyway, he... It's upstairs. It, uh, shoe dog. Phil Knight. Um, there you go. Yeah. yeah. So, and but you don't realise how, how, how much shit they went through to get to where they're at now. And I think it's something that we all, I always end up talking about on the podcast, but it's like, people just think sometimes you wake up and it's like, it's done. The answers are there, but it never is. And you have to adapt to ev like never. every day. Something might happen. Something might happen in your personal life. Something might happen with your family. Something might happen with your career, whatever. Something might happen and it's going to mean you're going to have to change. And I think right now 
it's not just happened to one person, it's happened to the whole fucking world. No, totally. And the thing is also like, you know, everyone sees the successes. So that book is a great illustration. It's like, oh, mm. Nike, it's a, you know, multi-billion dollar company or whatever. Yeah. It didn't just happen. It didn't no. just exist. It didn't just pop out of thin air. Yeah. You know, that was like blood, sweat, tears, divorces, like missed birthdays. It's yeah. just like, it's everything. You know, it's like, the, th- the thing that I took from that is just like how kind of like on the seat of the pants it was, you know what I yeah, mean? Like, definitely. you know, there were huge risks involved, you know, it nearly all fell apart a few times, but you know, he just had this true belief in yeah. not so much, not so much with himself, which I found really refreshing. You know, he was constantly doubting himself. I thought, yeah. um, you know, but, but he also really believed in what he was doing and really, you know, believed in this thing. Yeah. And, and, and knew why he was doing it. You know, he thought, but like, you know, other people's trainers just weren't as good. There were innovations to be made and, yeah. Try these kind of mad things that everyone else would kind of look at and go, "Well, that doesn't make any sense." Yeah, but he's just like, "Well, it does," you know. And like, and this is why, you know, he, he cared. He yeah. was a shoe dog. Do you Definitely, know what I mean? It's yeah. like, and when he met other shoe dogs, it was just like the people that were obsessing about like the composition of rubber because they want it to be better than the next guy. Yeah, like you know, you see this finished product; they're seeing like forty elements, yeah, and the, and and hours in each you know if not hundreds and thousands of hours in each tiny element yeah. and music's the same totally. you know people hear the finished product they don't hear the 26 versions the 14 mix downs four masters like the rejected vocals yeah. like the the business dramas like whatever it may be like the negotiate yeah. i don't see any of that they just see the finished product we see all of that and deal with it so you don't have to worry about it yeah and package it nicely and exactly here you go do you do you, like going from that shoe dog? Do you are you that passionate about music when it comes to especially yeah, with FFRR? Are you at the point where it's like I'm fucking gonna do this? Yeah, you can't do it any other way. Yeah, I agree. Like, you know, I, I can't, I can't really half-ass it or fake it. And don't get me wrong, that that's also knowing that not every single day I'm gonna be like a thousand percent. Yeah. You know, it's like some days you just, you, you literally sit there at the end of the day and like, what what did I achieve today? It feels like nothing. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that, but that's just kind of life. You're just trying to kind of, as long as you, you, you're always trying to push things forward and some days it works for you and some days it doesn't. But, yeah. you know, I'm, everything I'm doing, I, you know, I really believe in and, and hope I'm doing it for a reason and have some kind of plan. You know, all I can kind of try and do is in a really, uh, considered way present what i think is the best thing i can possibly present in the best way i can possibly present it at that moment in time and then there'll be a certain point where the public have either agrees that they think that's good or they don't yeah. i have no control over that bit yeah. i can kind of give it the best possible start i can but beyond that it's it's ever so slightly out of my control you know don't get me wrong there are like things you can try and do to encourage you know awareness growth da, 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 da. But there, none of that stuff is ever going to break a record no. or, or actually make something a hit. So I, like, yeah, you know, I totally agree. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> it's the one thing that I've kind of learned over the years where beforehand, for a lot of my career, I was like very precious of the music that I released after it had been released. And I think it was only maybe a couple of maybe 18 months ago to two years ago where I was just like, 
this music when it gets released is no longer my my record. It's not my song. It's oh, it's the world's record. It's everyone else's, and they can they can listen to it. They can choose whatever they want to think about it, and it's got nothing to do with me. It's just my name on the side, and it's it's the it's like those love songs, isn't it? That were never love songs. That when the artist wrote it, and everyone thinks it's a love song, and it's literally about they're like they're goldfish or something like that. It's, it's, it's wild, but it totally. truly takes. But that's the charm of it all. I yeah, love that stuff. Exactly. I mean, like, it's a great, I mean, like, I can't, you know, I'm kind of almost circling back a little bit to like the, the, the kind of output thing. This is a story that I absolutely love from, from the Chocolate Puma guys, actually. Yeah. So, you know, like Good Men Give It Up. Like yeah. that was a, a massive European hit. Like, you know, sold a ton. Like it was a really, really big record. Yeah. For and they, they literally made that record as like a jingle for their radio show. Like, and kind of like, it was sitting on their hard drive for ages. It was like, they didn't really think too much of it. They, yeah. You know, they liked it, but they weren't like kind of losing their shit about it. And then they just had a label at the time. They're like, oh, fuck it. We should just actually put this out. <laughs> um, put it out, thought nothing of it, became like a really, really big hit for them. But the, the point was like of a bit that I kind of found was really or that took from it but was really interesting is like on their hard drive it could never achieve anything yeah. in the world it, they had no expectations of it achieving anything but at least it had the, the chance to achieve something and yeah. it did but I was kind of there's something about that that I really really like and I don't mean that you should just like put everything that you've got on your hard drive out there but you still have to kind of put yourself out there to, for opportunity to happen if you kind of keep everything back you know it never has a chance of happening in any way. Well, it's kind of that full circle is about like the artist that you're signing at the moment. If you didn't put yourself out there and have that conversation in the first place and build that relationship, you wouldn't be where you're at now. And I think that that at the end of the day, that is life about moving forward and kind of building something out of your life is that you have to put yourself forward. Yeah. Thanks. So. It's, a, it's a good way to end on that one, mate. I like that. Deep. God deep. <laughs> um, before we end, how can people hear about FFRR? How can people hear about you? How can people get in touch with you if they want, et cetera, et cetera? What would be the best way? Uh, probably social media is yeah. probably the easiest one. Just um, I think like Instagram and Twitter is just at Andy Daniel with a surname spelled with two L's, which is actually how it's spelled. I'm not just being weird. For social. <laughs> um, and yeah, like an FFRR, I think most of them are just like FFRR records. I think I should probably know that. I should probably articulate that better, but <laughs> I'm sure you I'm sure you can find them. Yeah. Um but yeah, I'm about I, yeah. If you, if you need me, you can find me. Cool. Man. Hide. <laughs> Thanks for coming on and uh good work with the label so far. I can't wait to hear what comes out in the future. Pleasure, mate. Good to speak to you, man. You too, mate. Look after yourself. Keep safe. Last one. All right. Bye. Bye. And that is a wrap. I hope you enjoyed it. Big ups to Andy for coming on the show. Thank you to everybody that's listened. Uh, if you did enjoy it, please share, send it to all your mates, hit the like button, give us a review if you fancy. Um, see you next week. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University.
private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu.